Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everyone. This is Contrarious Live coming to you from out of the dark. And tonight we have Matt here again. who goes by the name OpenThink. And... Um, he wants to tell us about an experience that he had. That's why we're actually in talk to you right now. And um, you claim that you saw a, uh, what do you call a light bean, quote unquote? Or the outline of a light bean or something like that? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, like an outline, yeah. Remember how often or uh, how long uh, this occurred after the last show? Did you uh, it happened last week. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, when when this occurred, it happened. Uh, two, uh, it happened last Wednesday, a week from today, a week ago today, and then uh, Thursday, the day after. Mm. Well, that's pretty soon after we did that show. I'm always, you know, uh, suspicious of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I call it backlash, you know. So. Mm-hmm. They're gonna. Um, <clears throat> pull out some new tricks and it's about time that they have something that appears to be positive and uh, you might have a different opinion of it, uh, but I, I don't, I'm not sure if you can determine what it is uh, just by observance, you know, because it, it, there wasn't anything out uh, that was like obviously negative, right? No, it was the same thing I had after my grandma died uh, about 1996. So it happened before, huh? Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Have you heard me talk about um, after people die, uh, they can actually visit you? And uh, this is not in the Bible, but um, what is also not in the Bible is this, um, you know, these scriptures that I used to... I've talked about how Christians assume a lot of things, and I, I used to assume this myself, that, you know, as soon as you die, you either go up or down, wherever you believe the soul is going, you know. But actually, um, the Bible does, never mentions that at all, it, it, as far as, like, a time factor. So I had um, two, possibly three stories where I was actually visited uh, by a relative. If you remember uh, me telling those stories, um, right after they died. I, yeah, I, I remember vaguely on one of the podcasts you... Uh, and so, you know, the only thing you can do is try to get revelation on it. And I had that experience, but I couldn't really prove anything. But um, but they, they um, I suppose it would vary from person to person, obviously. But they, they have a short period of time where they can um, wander the earth, you know. And the thing about this is that um, you can't prove this wrong with the Bible. I mean, how long do they have, you know... Um, it doesn't say it's silent. It's like <laughs> you know, the people would assume, you know, that they're not be allowed to do that. But um, it definitely happened to me, and uh, I can tell a story real quick. I mean, I had a cousin who was in a um, 
a heavy metal band that uh, I didn't pay much attention to, but it was actually well, pretty, pretty well known. And uh, he visited me, and um, he knocked a beer off of the refrigerator. Uh-huh. And I think the reason he did that is because he was drinking when he died, and he was angry. I was probably just watching a football game or something like that, you know? Yeah. He was sitting on top. It, I, I mean, it fell by itself. I witnessed it. And then when my aunt died, this was actually his um, um, grandmother. Um, I mean, this happened like right away after she died. Um, there was this um, shrub uh, that was moving against the window, making a lot of noise, you know. And um, then I noticed, I was just laying in bed. I was got coming awake, and then I noticed that there was no wind out. Yeah. And I'm going, hold it. <laughs> I got up, and there was no wind, but this branch was moving. But when I got when I got out, I mean, I was conscious, you know what I mean? Yeah. I used to have plenty of time. I would lay in bed and deliberately just lay there and think about things. And uh, that's when I came up with most of the ideas and stuff um, back in the day, especially before I got on the Internet. And, uh, and I, I clearly heard it. I think I might have seen it moving against the window. I can't remember. I think I probably did. Mm-hmm. But when I finally got up, I mean, there was no wind. I didn't wait that much longer. It was like she was trying to get my attention, and I could tell that she was in a state of distress. You know what I mean? But I, that's the only thing that happened, you know. Uh, but, I mean, the, the branch was being moved by some kind of supernatural force. You'd have to be there to witness it, you know. It may not sound like that big of a deal. Um, I think that was possibly the only time. Um, I mean, it happened right after they died, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> and you know, my cousin. I mean, he um, actually he uh, is the son of my cousin. So, oh. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he was kind of little when I was. Uh, a lot year. He was a lot younger. So anyway, oh, okay. um, I mean, he was he was drinking, you know, and oh. um, so uh, and also I never shared the gospel with him or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I got the impression that he wasn't too happy about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, he was just a kid. I didn't see him much after that, so that's why I never shared the gospel. But anyway, go ahead. Um, tell us everything that you, all the details or whatever the heck, kind of like details about something like this. <laughs> Oh, okay. The ones, uh, the one I, the ones I recently seen last week. Yeah, I was at work because um, I work in a, with a client. I'm in their house, and uh, it was, you know, working together and stuff. And then he uh, kind of took a nap, so I'm there, like in the kitchen area. I got my little space set up and stuff where where I sit normally, <clears throat> and. Um, I, was probably, I think it was getting near lunchtime or something. I don't know, some, maybe late in the morning. And uh, I, I was sitting there. I was doing some work and on my because I brought my laptop and uh, I uh, I don't know. Out of the corner of my eye, I seen the the light the the light like a sparkle. Then I kind of looked, turned my head. This was what happened Wednesday, the first day. And 
I just seen like this big sparkle of light, like a like a silhouette or like a you know an image sort of not actual like literally seen it, but like an outline, and it just was like this energy, and it was um, the frequency, the way I felt in that emotion at that moment with with that was really uh, peace. It's not like the the directed uh, energy weapons that I get attacked sometimes with, or the EF, ELF, or they're extremely low and makes me irritable sometimes if I'm not afraid up, or makes me uh, really uh, try to be a different person, not myself, and uh, and uh, anti anything spiritual tries to come in and stuff, and makes me really blatant, pushy, and selfish and stuff. But 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 when this occurred. Um, it was like just like uh my like gratitude and thankfulness and just thankfulness to God and uh uh it lasted on Wednesday when I seen it it was around the wall in the kitchen where I was at. The uh the outline that I seen I I seen it for about about thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. And um, like it, that it was after that, the whole day was just, I don't know, it was truly blessed. Uh, even my client was acting different than normal in a more uh, better way, more profound, you know, better himself. And uh, that's what happened on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on, then Thursday came. It's about, it's probably about the same time. I wasn't doing work. I just got over there. It was kind of downtime. Usually that time's downtime. And uh, I, was, I think I was listening to your podcast. Or, or your podcast. In, in you were actually listening to the podcast? Yeah, yeah. That makes me a little suspicious. <laughs> no, serious? I, I, okay. I, Sometimes I listen in the background while I'm doing work. I'm still doing work, but yeah, I'm listening in the background. And I, I had my, I had like a little snack, and uh, I was eating, and uh, I had some, uh, some coffee, and all, and uh, and have water. And I took a break, and I was just sitting there, and then all of a sudden again, like Wednesday, from the same area of the kitchen, like where I was at, it. I seen it appear, and again, it was exact. Uh, the, the the how I felt was uh, again uh, extreme peace, and it was seemed like it was the frequency compared to the frequencies I get bombarded with sometimes when I'm being targeted it were totally the opposite, and uh, it, again, my client. Day was he was he was even more he's a nice guy to begin with but he was even more nice for those two days mm-hmm. and it was a really good day and the outline that I seen lasted Thursday probably about fifteen seconds fifteen to twenty seconds and it reminded me I'm just going back to the reference back in uh my grandma died in January 1996 uh, I think a month or two later. I was in my bedroom when I was living with my parents. 
uh, I had this experience where I seen. How old, how old, how old were you? Uh, I was almost 14. I was 13, but I almost was turning 14. A month from then, at that time, I, been, I was 13, but then I would turn 14. Mm-hmm. A month later. So I had this light being two that was, it's a little different, not exact the same, but it was basically the same like uh, outline sort of, and it was a different one. It was a pitched one. Just felt like uh, um, my grandma was, me and my grandma were really close. Uh, your phone's breaking up a little bit. Let's see if it stops. Oh. Where, 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 where did you hear me last? Um, just repeat uh, the last couple of sentences. Oh, okay. All right. Well, the, the experiences that I had last week uh, with the with the outline of this. You talking about your grandmother? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was just getting back to it. But I had the same experience uh, back in 1996 because my grandma died uh, in January, and it was about a month later when I seen the same type near the same type of outline and it was peaceful and it was like my grandma I wouldn't even focus I was doing school work and all of a sudden I felt something and I seen something and uh, it's like what happened last week and it, it, it was just a reminder for me because my grandma just died a month later or a month before and we were really uh, close and it was just like uh, just say I'm I'm there. I'm like I'm watching over you. But she was really close, and she she was praying for me. She was a she was a, her and my grandfather were the Christians in my life growing up. So she was praying for me and stuff. In and uh, she, I believe she came in because it was it was different. And and then I just felt like her like how she, her her frequency. I didn't know it at the time back then. But like it was like her frequency and stuff like how I've been around when she was alive. If you go to like um, Christian apologetics ministries, they're kind of like cookie like, cutters. Like they, they all say the same thing, uh, but they will start uh, talking about uh, how necromancy is forbidden, any kind of contact with the dead. Yeah. But um, they don't, I'm not advocating this or anything like that. I'm just saying you have to have an open mind. But uh, necromancy, my understanding, is a deliberate, um, you know, consulting the dead deliberately, uh, seeking occult knowledge or experience or something like that. That's, it's different if you're just experiencing it. Yeah. You know, if you're passive uh, about the whole thing. Yeah. And I also, um, I mean, God, you know, there's no proof text that God cannot, I mean, I know see Christians would go, oh, no, you know, but um, I mean, um, I used to believe this myself, so I know this kind of thinking, but um, <clears throat> that's how I realized these passages are not there. I'm talking about like a relative speaking to you, um, you know, their spirit. It could, see, it could be their spirit or their soul. Okay. And uh, also, well, this is a big subject, but, um, oh, man, do I even want to go into this? But um, I don't know if I want to go into it, but there's a big difference between the soul and the spirit. Uh-huh. Okay, I've said before, you can't use the Bible to prove that all spirits do not return to God. It, it doesn't talk about that. Just It just says the spirit returns to God who gave it. Uh-huh. 
And for years, I always, you know, I just assumed that that uh, was only the elect spirits because it didn't make any sense to me that it would be reprobate. Yeah. Then eventually, I realized that I I, I cannot prove this with the Bible. So, you know, like we did that silent uh, Bible podcast. The Bible is silent. <laughs> this is this is shocking about whether or not all spirits are um, elect or not. Yeah. It never talks about this. It only talks about souls. This is a huge subject, and I believe it's been covered up because it's massively important. And um, that would be something that Satan wouldn't want you to know. But anyway, what this has to do with is the judgment of um, that has to do with you know Genesis three. Yeah. Uh, is only against the um, you know creation, which in this particular context we refer to the soul, and of course the body. The body is aging. I mean, and the soul is clearly corrupted, you know. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't. <laughs> you can try as you want, but um, you have to be able to prove that the spirit's created. There's nothing that says this anywhere. Um, there is like one passage. I think it's in Zechariah. It could be Zephaniah, where it's talking about placing the spirit in a body. But that's not talking about creating the spirit. That's something different. It's kind of like molding the spirit into the body. Mm-hmm. It talks about this kind of thing in Psalm 139 uh, in reference to the soul. Yeah. And because the soul is clearly created in Scripture. Uh, but, it, it, you know, they, it doesn't say this about the spirit at all. And uh, anyway, I mean, the spirit is not under judgment. Anybody's spirit. I mean, that's like a radical idea that you never hear. And also, you never hear any kind of discussion about this. Uh, Christians always focus on the soul and just ignore the spirit. You're probably aware of this, you know what I mean? And uh, they they don't acknowledge that the spirit and the soul separate at the moment of death or somewhere around that. I mean, for all I know, the, the soul lingers longer. You know, I don't know if they separate at the same time. You know, it doesn't talk about this kind of thing. The soul may linger around the body, but when the body leaves the soul... The body dies, but the spirit can come and go um, with a certain degree of freedom. We've talked about this before, and uh, that's something that people don't feel comfortable about. But you can't prove that wrong with scripture, you know. Um, But the spirit is capable of leaving the body and wandering. You see that um, it's called spirit travel, uh, which these uh, apologetic ministries would condemn. Because they would call it, you know, astral travel or something like that. But that's what Ezekiel is doing there. And God takes him in the spirit back to Jerusalem. Yeah. Right? His body is left behind. Okay, well, you know, how many times can this happen and in what context? It doesn't tell you, as usual. You know? Yeah. But I, I've never seen any kind of um, conservative Christians that have advocated any kind of spirit travel. I actually believe... Um, you know, we hold to the, the, you know, the belief that God is um, withholding knowledge from his own people. It's a, it's a judgment against his own. He's doing this to everyone. Okay? Mm-hmm. But if God's going to do that. He's also going to protect his people. Uh, so, basically, they err on the side of caution. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think God is protecting them because they'll just kind of get into trouble. Mm-hmm. Because, actually, the information is not there in the Bible. You know, the specific answers and 
that we want um, with the appropriate detail, it doesn't talk about these things. We'll be talking about this world, you know, because Christians need to hear this here. They're not hearing this. They're thinking that all this information was there and all the detail that we need, everything we need to know. You can quickly prove that's that's false. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, I can, we can understand why they would believe that kind of thing. You know, it's, it's actually a desire. Uh, I mean, everyone, I would want that too. And um, we can't uh, take these uh, desires and um, um, place them upon the text, you know, and just believe that it's, well, God would want us to know that. I'm not sure what that passage would be, but it must be there. But it's, it's actually not there. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about um, ongoing lack of clarity. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's, they would call that necromancy. Um, but, you know, there again, you know, um, I mean, I would, I would exercise caution. I don't um, advocate people contact the spirit realm. I really don't. Um, I think that um, these things used to be normative, and I think God shut it down. And uh, I think that he allows a few people to do that in accordance with their gifting. Mm-hmm. I think it's relatively rare, and we don't like to hear that because we have this equality psyop. Um, equality psyop, the best way to understand it is, as a general rule, it's across the board, everywhere in society. They're trying to, you know, get us to think this way because it's the opposite of the truth. Like I said before, um, everything has to do with hierarchy. Yeah. Everywhere. I mean, there's actually nowhere that doesn't involve hierarchy. So this is why um, Satan, um, he he's going to tell you the opposite. You know, you're all equal. And uh, in church, yeah, we don't, um, you know, the church is very, you know, especially like, you know, Pentecostal charismatic churches. But um, as a general rule, we don't like to hear, you know, that oh, this person's more gifted or something like that. You know, I mean, the Pentecostals don't have any problem with that, but other people do, you know. But more and more, um, it, it's like, you know, everyone has to be equal, you know, and uh, don't think that you're special. It's kind of like an emotional response, you know. Yeah. You know, what do you, I mean, I actually experienced this when I went to church, and I learned very quickly I had to keep my mouth shut because I, um, I was able to sense the spirit, um, of God. It's very powerful. And um, and I tried telling a few people about it. They kind of looked at me like, well, I thought this was happening to everybody, you know. Yeah. And I could see, I could feel God. This is like a particular gift that I have. And it, it's actually changed over the years. It's actually not as strong as it used to be. I think the reason is because I don't, um, I don't think I need that as much as I used to. Apparently God believes that. But yeah. typically I would feel it down in my ab- abdominal area. And it got to be so powerful that I, there was a period that I went through where I actually asked um, specific yes/no questions, and believe it or not, it actually would manifest as a yes answer. But that was because, um, like I said, I was told uh, in presbytery, which is a biblical method, that I actually had you know the gift of prophecy. So, but after that, I started to focus on, you know, that little book that I talked about. So that is um, what we call bibliomancy. Yeah. And uh, so I, I relied on that for years, and then, uh, which was a good method. And um, it, it, so God kind of moved me on from all that. But it was kind of interesting uh, to experience that. 
because it actually actually worked. One time I actually had a map out um, at trying to look for, because I knew God wanted me to go someplace, you know? Yeah. So I was looking at the map, and a friend called me at that precise moment, and God actually answered that. But he didn't uh, manifest anything in reference to the map, but he had a friend called me up and, and told me what I needed to know, which was incredible. God spoke to him instead of me, which was a stronger confirmation because I was actually holding the map in my hands at that time when he called. And I didn't actually know him that well at the time. You know, so, I mean, the timing was just absolutely precise. And he was all excited. and He said, God just spoke to me, that kind of thing. You know? So, I mean, you know, God will speak to your life uh, instead of you. You know what I mean? Except God does that sometimes, you know. <clears throat> well, you have to listen to your wound. <laughs> As for the Lord, that's for yeah. George, yeah. Oh, yeah, he'll do that to humble you. And uh, actually to keep, you know, you're supposed to be um, a functional unit, you know, that's there to glorify God. And so you know, he's going to get, you know, the wife involved sometimes too, you know. And other times he's going to um, do things, uh, you know, to let her know that, you know, you need to, you know, Rely on your husband, look to him, even though he's, you know, he's not going to be infallible, right? So he's going to make mistakes. And, and those kind of things happen. You know, you talk it through and you pray, and that's about all you can do. There's going to be times when, you know, from a biblical view of subordination, you're going to have to, um, I mean, you know your husband's in error, right? And uh, you can talk about it with, you know, your friends. Or so, but there's really nothing you can do ultimately. He has to make the decisions. That's the biblical method. And, of course, you get into this equality thing, which doesn't work, you know, which is um, promoted by feminism. It's causing all kinds of confusion in relationships because, uh, you know, who makes the decision here? Somebody has to make a decision. Well, it doesn't work if you're both perfectly equal, you know. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I wasn't, like, looking for, um, you know, this to happen, you know, I wasn't like, oh, I want to look, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I wasn't looking like, oh, you know, what happened with my grandma and the event in 96 and then what happened last week. I wasn't looking for anything like that. I wasn't trying to be looking for the occultic thing or anything yeah. else. It just happened. Uh, but you said in the last show that you were uh... – Retarded individual. I am too. There's all kinds of different types of you know. But have you ever uh, seen any beings before, or any like? Um, by the way, Connie has seen. Uh, they call them alien beings. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but oh, she believes, she believes the same thing. Well, she's seen them in her bed. The little grays and stuff like that. Okay. And um, she's also had like dreams. Um, I mean, this is like pretty complex stuff. We've talked about it before. Yeah. But um, she she believes that they're manufactured beings. She doesn't believe that they're aliens, and she holds to the ancient cosmology like I do. There's no planet. Yeah. You know, this is kind of an interesting subject. It's a digression, but one of the reasons that they push the alien beings is it fortifies this the outer space propaganda where you have the giant planets, you know, of uh, Saturn and Jupiter, yeah. and uh, we've been told they're all the same size, and they're you know, they're relatively small anyway. And that's what people used to believe universally. Yeah. And, um, uh-huh. I I did have, before, before I really came to like a relationship or, you know, to what salvation is maybe, 
and, and the Lord, um, I did watch what happened was um, I watched this movie called uh, Son of Satan. Son of Satan? Yeah, I was like 14, 15. I went, back then, you know, they had the video stores, you uh-huh. know, and they didn't have no live streaming back then. So uh, I, I, I wasn't even supposed to have the video, but the the girl gave it to me, or the, the girl the, at the video, so gave some money, and I kind of snuck it out, and and then I, I watched it, and I thought I was fine, and then all of a sudden, there was something inside of me, watch it again, and I watched it again, and I don't know what happened, but uh, I, uh, I went to bed. The next day, I had to help my grandfather. I went to my grandpa's. I helped them uh, do yard, uh, yard work and stuff. And uh, I'm on the uh, riding mower, and all of a sudden, with my grandparent, uh, well, my grandpa and then my step grandma. Now, this was a couple years after my grandma died, and um, all of a sudden, like I felt like uh, crash, like sulfur when I was riding the mower and I felt like my head was heavy. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, this is what I said. I said, to my, like, not out loud, but to myself about my grandparents that were there, kill them in the name of Satan, kill them in mm-hmm. the name of Satan. It repeated in my head a few times mm-hmm. and, uh, it was weird. And I did all the yard work. Then I went home later that evening, shower and stuff, have a meal. I was talking to somebody, a friend of mine at the time, and then hung up with him. This was probably like 8.30 or something. It's still summertime. The sun hat went totally down. And then out of the corner of my room, I seen like this green thing trying to come out of the wall. Really? And, yeah, and then I, I said, God, please take this away. And what happened was God put me to sleep. And then I woke up the next day and I was free. I didn't have hmm. That's what happened to me. When was the uh, first time that, um, you know, looking back, that you see some kind of phenomena that you uh, interpreted and, you know, having to do with being a TI? Oh, uh, probably 2000. And when I started, I, I knew that I was going to get targeted, uh, Two and a half years before I was going to get targeted. So, but I wasn't actually no. They were already probably building a portfolio and stuff. I, I believe in all that stuff. But for me to actually be known that I was targeted and stuff, uh, no. But I, I, I they didn't show me I, that I, I was being targeted. But I knew I was going to two and a half years before. How did you know? Because you know it's funny because I was I did podcasts on Blog Talk Radio in 2010, and mm-hmm. I was doing, I was doing pretty good. Got a lot of, you know, I was doing stuff against Mormonism, stuff like that because I was uh, you know, in that time I was pretty uh, devout with my Christian you know in the church system and stuff. So I'm doing podcasts, all kinds of stuff, and having people come on and all that. And somebody told me about talk shoes. Cause I was paying for a blog talk then, you know? Yeah. And, uh, this was in 2010. So I don't know. Uh, I was listening. There's some good podcasts back then. 
Uh, and then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm looking at you know how they have the shows, upcoming shows and stuff like that. You know how they you know they have that. Mm-hmm. I I seen I seen something like uh, you know how they have show notes and stuff. I seen something like oh yeah, be aware, people community are going to follow you. Uh, hel- um, potential helicopters going to follow you. There's these directive energy weapons that something. You know, it's something, it said something like that in the show notes of one of the one of these uh, TI shows back then, and a couple other ones. But I never looked at. It. I'm thinking this is at first my first initial response in my head when I seen that when I was looking up other shows on the computer at, uh, at TalkShoe was this is this is nonsense at first. That was my initial reaction. But uh-huh. then how I was taught by my dad and stuff. Uh, don't don't uh, don't always keep an open mind. Don't assume anything. Don't don't be yes or no for it. So after three weeks of seeing that, I clicked on to some of them. And then after hearing that, I said, you know, after hearing them, and I know there's agents in there and stuff. Uh, you know, I, I already knew there was people probably faking and stuff. I didn't know what they called back then yet. I'm still waking up. And, uh, I knew this was real. It never happened to me before, but this was in end of 2000. This was probably like October 2010, and so I'm like, yeah, this is, uh, this, yeah, this this is real. And even though it never happened to me, I started talking about it a little bit, and I knew not to people, but this within within like talking to uh, within myself. I mean, writing down journal. That's what I mean. I should have said it correctly. And uh, I was minding my own business, but then, like, I I came on the show, some of these shows. I'm, I said, I'm just, I'm just trying to be, trying to hear what's going on, you know. I read in the show notes, so I'm trying to listen to understand. And, then, and at the time, I said, no, nothing happened to me. I'm not targeted or nothing. But uh, I, deep uh, down, I feel like I was going to be because, uh a couple of years ago, a couple of years back, I was uh, in this ministry here in LA the first time, and uh, I, I don't know, the Lord put in my heart at the time what, what I knew I thought was Lord stuff to pray because I felt like this was 2008. I felt like I'm gonna be standing up, and and if I. I didn't know at the time. I was kind of maybe immature, but maybe at the time. But I prayed, Lord, whatever it is, you know, if I have to be a martyr or whatever, you know, so be it. You know, I don't know if it's going to come in fruition, come in fruition or what. But I knew I had, there was some kind of evil coming up. This was five years before, but I didn't know what it was. And then, but then when I seen the hear, I mean, heard these shows back in end of 2010. And then going in 2011, I'm like, yeah, this is going to happen to me. I had this, uh, like, this intuition, you know, how you, you know, or gut feeling. Uh-huh. So I, I said, eventually, I knew this was going to happen to me, I, but I didn't know when. So, and and 2011 was normal. That's when I was in Wyoming. I was going to college and stuff. I met my wife over the Internet uh, back then. She was in the Netherlands at the time. And... uh uh, this was in 2012. 2011 was good. 2012 was good. I took a, 
I took summer off of school and my work, and I went to go visit for a couple months. And uh, when I was over in the Netherlands, nothing happened to me again. And I had to come back after three months. I went back to Wyoming to finish up my semester. And I knew, like, my wife was the one to be, and she felt that too. We had that confirmation. So I did my uh, last semester at the college in Wyoming, and uh, I came in uh, the November 30th of 2012. Then that was fine. Christmas came, New Year came was fine. But then at the end of January 2013, I noticed, uh, I think the, our, they were messing with me already with the frequencies prepping me. Uh, now I know that, but then I didn't really, I knew, but I didn't know it like I do now. So I noticed at the end of January of 2013, uh, when I walked before there, me and my wife, where we lived in Netherlands, it's like in a small, you know, it's not a big city. And where we live, it's like a quiet neighborhood. There's hardly any cars, especially during the January and the evening, because it's pretty cold. And the first part of January, nothing. And then all of a sudden, I started noticing cars. I didn't think of anything, nothing of it. And I'm just, you know, we're walking, and all of a sudden, we see all these cars. Then, then I kind of, it hit me. I said, oh, this is the start of the confirmation of me being a T.I., it wasn't my wife because she couldn't see it. It was me. And then it wasn't, that was it. At, before that in January, when that was the only thing that was really targeting. I'd go steal the stores, you know, steal to the stores. Nothing was like normal, no crowding, no nothing. Uh, then all of a sudden, at the first, second week of February, I'm going and uh, going out and exercising and stuff, and all of a sudden there's people crowding, and then and then all these hor- like bikes are doing horn, like playing with their, you know, their horn or something they have, and uh, the light thing. I was like, yep, this is the beginning, and then it started with the stores and all that other stuff. So uh, what do they do at the stores? I mean, the classic thing is like. Um you know, you walk up to get something you normally get at the store, the things that you typically buy, and this person will come out of nowhere and actually grab it right ahead of you, you know, on oh, the display. Did you ever have that happen to you? No, no, they don't do that with me because I get conversational, in a, but not in a in a non-aggressive way. They don't they do not do that kind of stuff with me. We've had that kind of thing happen before. It's happened to Connie and also in the video. Yeah. Well, what happens to me when I go in, um, it'll, they'll, uh, all of a sudden people come in and like dang, dangle their keys, you know, like the keychain. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, they'll do a keychain, or all of a sudden they'll do a tune that's been prepped by the frequency in my brain and my mind that's been dialed in, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they'll do a certain tune, and it will try to, it'll try to, with the frequency, it'll try to amp up. They're like an anchor, and they're try, they'll try to make me focus on that anchor, which is the person whistling, to create a, a, a comfort, confrontational uh, situation, which is not professional, which would be like, you know, aggressive instead of uh, passive-aggressive, or passive but with uh, calmness and still respect. Uh, also, like sometimes if I'm thinking of a certain item and I'll go to the store, it'll be gone. Normally, ha- never happens. Huh. Uh, also, uh, 
people would try to they used to try to crowd me. Oh yeah. Me and my wife, but now like but now since I know that like you pick up on the tactics because my I'm blessed with pattern recognition and and patterns really easy. Uh, God by His grace has allowed me to see that before it happens. You know, pick it up and just counteract that kind of stuff. Not like focus on it the whole time, but they don't do that. And since I, uh, I uh, in the Netherlands when they they would bring the they would bring this machine they put in their pack. I don't know if it was some kind of chemical thing or some kind of maybe a uh, a portable directive energy weapon or some kind of weapon, or I don't know. And I could tell they were there for me because they came in the same time I did. And they just wait for me. And I, I, I came up to the man and I looked at him. I said, and, and this guy knew English in the Netherlands. They're the best non-English uh, speaking country in the world. One of the best. So they do know English. So I go up to the man I looked him in the eye. I said, you don't scare me. I feel sorry for you. Why don't you come to the light? Basically, I said something like that. Come to the light. And then he he didn't know what to do because it was out of script. He thought I was going to not say nothing or get scared. But God gave me the grace to come up and just, you know, make that statement. And, like, he just, like, put his head down and just walked away. Uh, so I, I talk to people like that. I go up to them and I just tell them. And uh, that happened like nine or ten times with the people. They would do that. Uh, um, they same time entry, you know, exit entry. Mm-hmm. And it'd be funny. I don't know if you get this, Dave, but you know when you go to the store. Have you been to the store and it's kind of empty and it's pretty empty usually? And then all of a sudden, like, within you, you come in, there's, like, five or ten people within, like, a minute or two. No, I haven't seen that. Uh, they've uh, run psyops on me, uh, I think, one time in a store and then another time outside the store when I was – I don't bag groceries. I just get out of there, and uh, I bag them um, outside the store. Oh, okay. And standing right there where I always do this. And he said, uh, I'll be seeing you. You know, I mean, you could always say, well, this guy's mentally ill. He, yeah, didn't, he had this odd smile on his face. Did he have that evil grin? Like a, like a... Um, not quite. Um, maybe you have the same understanding as I do. These people are pretty lowly. Um, some of them get out of prison early. Yeah. If they agree to this, uh, some of them have been blackmailed. Some of them are threatened that if you don't do this, you're going to prison. You yeah. know, the yeah. So they recruit these people, but they're really um, pretty lowly. You know, like if you're like, um, if your father is like uh, in, uh, you know, Navy intelligence or something, I don't, typically they wouldn't even recruit you for this because they got other people to do it. It's very lowly type stuff. That's why. You know, when you saw the reaction on that guy's face, um, that showed that he's not, he's not really an agent, you know, because they, they wouldn't react that way. Yeah. Say with a guilty look, the agents don't do that. Yeah. Uh, they're actually Satanists, almost all of them. You know, oh, that reminded, me of, that reminded me of something. Uh, thanks, Dave. You, you, you just re- remind, reminded me of something. Uh, I know I can, I think it was the spring of 2013. Well, we had these walkways 
in the neighborhoods, and, you know, we had these canals and these walkways in, in the Netherlands where I lived. And uh, I'm out doing yard work where I lived and, and all. I talked to a neighbor and uh, for a minute, and then all of a sudden after he went in, I'm going back and doing the yard work, I seen this guy, shaved head, this nice suit, walking in this pathway, kind of looking at me or something. Mm-hmm. Kind of turned his head towards me and looked, and then I just looked and I just stared him down with a smile, and then he looked and he turned his head and he just kept walking and he looked, and I kept on and he turned his head, and then finally I didn't see him before he was out of sight. I had some guy following me around when I was uh, in elementary school. Oh, yeah, I remember you said that on, I think, a podcast, right? Yeah, he would just drive around in a car, and after a while, it was obvious, you know, here he comes again, you know. And I don't even think I told my parents or anything. I don't remember, I don't remember maybe I did, but I don't recall doing that. Was he I also don't recall being scared. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure. I mean, I had to, I didn't analyze things back then as a kid. Oh, yeah, most, yeah. So I analyzed it years later, and... Uh, I think I probably got some revelation on it, but I don't even remember what I was told. But um, I think he was probably like one of their agents. I don't think it was like a pervert or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. it could be either one of them. You don't know for sure, you know. So. Yeah. But this guy, this guy, like when I was pondering the way his suit was, and I looked it up, and then I talked to a targeted person who was over the target of stuff, Nedlin, and from his research and stuff, he said they that was one of the uh, – like one of the police agencies, probably a police agent in one of the agencies of the Netherlands, just mm-hmm. looking shit, shit like just looking who I am or something at, at a personal level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the yeah, theory is, the theory as I developed this years ago is that uh, every person has a unique energy signature in the auric field. Yeah. With my electromagnetism. And uh, it's like uh, it's like your you know your thumbprint or something like that fingerprints you know yeah and um, they, they don't want you to know this but some of these uh, energy signatures they stand out the theory is that um, certain people that God's going to use in significant level or whatever they have may just be elect or something like that uh, your energy signature looks different. And so they keep watch over these people. They're kind of curious, you know, and see what's going to happen with them. Yep, you don't have any problems with that idea, do you? No, no, I don't have You know, you've got to come up with some kind of theory. Why are they watching you, you know, when you're young? Why do, you, why do they watch you through the years? Well, it is a mystery because, I mean, why do they abduct certain people? Because they appear to abduct a larger percentage of American Indians, mm-hmm. you know. And I actually don't know why they do that. Uh, I never figured it out. Have you? You got any opinion on that? I think we're not talking about alien abductions. We're talking about military abductions, and these people will wake up, you know, flat on their back, and they're being experimented on. And sometimes, you know, they may actually have these beings there, but other times they will give you implanted memories. You know, you're not going to remember anything about the military. You'll remember the false memory. And as years go by, that may fade, and then you remember what actually happened. You know, but they give you a false memory that's consistent with the narrative, you know. Yeah. 
Um, they want you to believe that the aliens, they've been psyoping people with this for years. I mean, obviously, the, they're doing stuff like this, you know, black ops or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and so they're going to want to cover it up. The best way to cover it up is just um, give you a false memory about aliens doing it. They're not going to yeah. give you a false memory about humans doing it, right? <clears throat> I mean, they could, some kind of misdirection, but um, yeah. soon the not usually, though. Yeah, they don't want you to think about humans doing anything. It's yeah, always the yeah. aliens, uh, but people have woke up. You've heard these stories where, you know, there's people in white lab coats and they're speaking German, right? Yeah. You've heard those stories, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I didn't really think of the alternative, but, I, you know, I don't really buy into the, to what the propaganda, the media is saying. I think maybe it's because of their, uh, their their blood blood type or something. Yeah, yeah. That could well I think some of that could be explained with that, you know. Yeah. But uh I think they're uh curious more curious about uh, I think they probably focus more on the negative blood type. Connie has that. Oh she has that? Yeah. So uh, what is it, the R H? Yeah, I think I'd have to Google that. I, I just I'm not sure. If, I think I think they do that though. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I Google that. Boy, oh, am I out of the tongue? <laughs> uh, you know, Chuck was just talking to me three days ago. Uh, you know, Google, YouTube, same thing. But um, yeah, he's going to YouTube looking for the stuff that you know used to be there. It's everything is gone. It's all gone. I mean. Yeah, I'm still kind of amazed, you know, some of these shows uh, on YouTube are still there. It's kind of selective. I'm not sure why they're still there. Uh, maybe they just haven't gotten around to them yet, but um, some people are still able to pull it off to some degree. You know, they're, they're, it's so ridiculous because um, in cancel culture, like you've got these, um, they call it the manosphere, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, these guys talk about, you know, women a lot, stuff like that. These, these new women now that are, um, you know, the, the woke woman. <laughs> yeah. But um, how, how different they are and everything like that. But um, anyway, um, they're talking about that kind of thing. Oh, but anyway, they can't say certain words like feminism. Mm. So they have to pronounce it differently. Okay, a good example is um, you can't even say red pill anymore. Now, some people are still saying that. Uh-huh. In fact, there was a guy who's called, you know, Red Pill Coach. And, uh, it, you know, but um, they do uh, come after you uh, if you say, talk about Red Pill a lot. And so what they're doing, they're changing the, the term and they're saying uh, Crimson Capsule. That's how, that's how sad this is. Can you believe this? Yeah, yeah that sounds awful, actually. This does not sound like, you know, a freedom of speech in America. It, no, it's not. It, um, it's still there to some degree, but it's um, it's being systematically removed. They, they're not doing it overnight, you know. They want it to kind of creep up on people, apparently. They don't want to catch them unawares, you know. Oh, yeah. I, I talk about, you know, gradualism. That's what they've been doing. Uh, you know, there's a Freemasonic conspiracy, and that's what they're running the show, but... Uh, um, they go along with the program. I'm talking about the upper Freemasons, you know. They, I mean, they're just aware of that kind of thing. You know, it's it's multi generational. In fact, it's always it's always it's century after century. They're always moving towards some grand goal. I've talked about that book 
that Manley uh, Hall uh, wrote, uh, The Secret Destiny of America. Yeah. And the thesis of that book, I have that book, is that um, he's claiming this plan for America goes all the way back to Plato. You know, yeah. Which is something you can't prove or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can't prove you can't prove that Plato existed. I, I firmly believe he did. Uh, I think that Socrates probably didn't, though. And there's other. I mean, there's just like regular historians who don't. They're skeptical that Socrates existed. Yeah. I think he probably didn't. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so that that happened to me in Midlands with that guy, and I'm just going back. And uh, uh, what else? Oh, I had uh, I had uh, Indians from India doing mostly my targeting in in uh, in uh, the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. That's the type of people that targeted me the most was the Indians. Really? Yeah, from India. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I got mostly. The people, but the reason why it was more effective with them because I guess I don't know they didn't pay attention to English. I don't know it. They 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 did some stuff. It's the same tactics, basically. I said it's just different people. Mm-hmm. So I've had. Uh, I've had a helicopter over me in the Netherlands. Yeah, uh, yeah I got that. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Oh, you see, if I keep thinking about it, I'll come up with even more. So I actually wrote down in, in you know, in background here a couple times. And now yeah. I just remembered. Yeah, um, I haven't told the story a long time, but uh, yeah, one time they uh, came right over uh, the house I was living in. Uh, with a helicopter directly over the house, yeah, and uh, sprayed me with chemicals, and I was sick for eight days. Mm. Another time, um, I was walking down the road that I lived you know, on uh, the main road, just straight down the road. The house was on that road, the yeah. main road, and um, this uh, helicopter came directly over me, but it came in an angle. It was with absolute precision. Now, you could say that was coincidence, okay? Yeah. Um, but it, you go farther on that road. I took a right on a different day and went down a dead end. It was kind of shaped like a, you know, a, a question mark, but it was, you know, it wasn't curved. It was just, um, you know, like part of a rectangle. Yeah. And uh, it kind of looked like a question mark. And, uh, and they were very careful to follow me. Uh, in a precise way that, you know, when I turned, they would turn with me, uh, directly above me. They always want you to know, you're going to agree with me. They want, always want you to know that you're being targeted, otherwise they're not succeeding. They want to, it's, it's a psychological operation. They want to get into your head, make you think about it, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I mentioned before, they did that to Channing, and that's why he is not podcast. He quit his podcast. Really? Yeah, because um, when he, well, when I came on the show, they started uh, doing things to get into his head. They scared him. He didn't tell me for a long time. He was hesitant to even tell me. He didn't want to talk about it at all. See, that's exactly what they want. 
They, don't, they want you to just shut it down. Don't don't say anything. Yeah. But he didn't talk about it for, I, I actually, I think it was more like three years. I always wondered, you know, why didn't you just stop podcasting like that, you know? Yeah. But yeah, when I would go on his show, strange things would happen. And one time they muted me, and I was just talking to myself. And when I was talking, I was talking about something kind of sensitive, you know, yeah, kind of stuff you don't you don't really hear people talk about it. And they just they didn't want me talking about that. And uh, um, from my perspective, God allows these things in order for uh, you to gain experience, you know. And looking back, I mean, you don't like it at the time, but looking back, I'm actually thankful. Maybe you are too. Uh, well, if you get targeted a lot, you're not going to be thankful. <laughs> um, you know, if it's reasonable, um, you actually, I'm reasonably thankful that, you know, I experienced these things. Like, one time my mom and I got hit by a, um, some kind of radiation weapon, but it only happened one time. We both felt it. We ran out of the house. It felt like our skin was starting to heat up and burn. Yeah. And we just prayed to God and it went away. And, uh, but see, when it only happens one time, which is numerically unlikely, because it, it's more likely for it to happen zero times. Yeah. If it does happen, it should happen, it's more likely it should happen two, three, four, or whatever, even seven or whatever. But if it happens one time, and I've also had other things that happen one time, I believe that God allowed it for me to experience Yeah. So I have that under my belt, you know. It's one thing you read about in the book. It's another thing you experience. Another time I talked about a, a time when this guy came into my house. He wasn't a Christian, so he didn't have protection. And uh, they hit him with some kind of, the same kind of thing. He freaked out, and I felt nothing. So I was protected. And you better believe it, you know, trying to hit me too, but they did nothing, you know. So. Also, one time, uh, Lisa used to be on the show a lot back in 2012, 2013. Um, she got, they used to attack her a lot. And they actually attacked her, uh, like, in her feet where she had a physical uh, weakness. Yeah. And uh, she went through extreme pain. But uh, one time they were hitting her whole house and stuff like that. But God gave her a vision of these two men, like, in a white lab coat. And they were, like, up in the sky. And they were, like, like some kind of science fiction movie. And they had this beam coming down in her house. Yeah. But she had, like, a, a protective bubble. Uh, around her home, and everything was bouncing off. The God oh. gave that to her to, you know, kind of assure her that, you know, he's still on the throne, he's still in control. You know? Because that can really freak you out. God, you know, where's God in all this? What, what's going on here, you know? <clears throat> oh, yeah. It's, it's, it can be scary. It feels like it's out of con- things are out of control. If you ever get online and look at, um, you know, do, that, do they do that kind of thing um, in stores where they jangle the keys or... Uh, they whistle or something like that. I suppose they do that kind of thing. Uh, can you repeat that? I, I didn't. I, Did you ever get online and, and look to see if that's a practice where they jangle the keys or whistle? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I already knew about that. Yeah, it sounds like something they would do. Yeah. I didn't have to read it. It just, I just picked up on it and how it was directed towards me. Yeah. So. Well, we talked about these things before. When Connie would go to the store, Actually, there was a period there where um, every time she went to the store, something would happen, according to her. Yeah. And apparently it's ended. It's completely ended. Not um, so I talked to her. So. But uh, they, they would have these guys with Masonic hats. And I've never seen anybody in Masonic hat. Yeah. With the possible exception, um, you know, I, I watched some parades when I was a kid. 
And um, there's a good chance, you know, they had somebody marching with something like that. You know, I don't, I don't remember. But I don't recall anybody with Masonic hat out in public ever. You know, I'm talking, we're talking about the Shriners most likely. You know? Yeah, yeah. But I don't recall anybody. There's definitely a store. I mean, you're going to really stand out. Um, it didn't have like a tassel on it, you know. It just had Masonic symbolism. It was obvious Masonic hat. I've never seen anybody wear something like that in public, especially like in the store. Have you? No, not like no, not like that. Just to go out in the store, no. Yeah. So I mean, that's an example. You know, they're going to make it really obviously. You know, they're not trying to hide. That, that's a lot of people would think they're trying to be discreet. Yeah. Sometimes they're kind of you know kind of discreet. You know, but um, they do want you to know. So if you're very analytical. Uh, they can actually be more discreet because they know that you're going to figure it out. If you're not very analytical, they kind of kind of knock you over the head. You know, hey, you dumb dumb. You know, that was us. It's got to be more obvious. You know. <clears throat> yeah. So with me, they're pretty discreet. They really are. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, well, I get. I don't like. I don't get it. Say all the time, like per se. Uh-huh. But I get it. I get it probably, uh, say, let's go through a week. I would, I'd probably get it, i probably go through the stuff a couple times a week. But it doesn't, it, it doesn't bother me. I, I'm to the point now, I just started laughing, to be honest. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I'm at that point in my, you know, I just started laughing. And, and I think God. Yeah, and I told this to other people. I thank God for this. This was a blessing for me. It still is a blessing that I went through this. And like I said, I knew uh, about two and a half years or less that I knew I was going to go through this. And then I was praying five years before it happened that I was going to face some kind of evil. I just didn't know what at the time. Mm-hmm. So. You uh, live. You don't live uh, very far from the beach. Um, you actually went to Redondo Beach today. You yeah. live in Hawthorne, in California. Yeah. Have you ever seen him do anything on the beach? Um. Sometimes, but for me, when I'm in that, when I'm in the nature in that zone, it's like uh-huh. God keeps me focused and stuff for the most part. So I don't. Doesn't really bother me at all. Mm-hmm. But I, when I have sun gazed after you know like today, I did some sun gazing at, when it was setting, and there was people like trying to make noise and stuff on, on like top of. There's the beach, and then there's like a walkway and a bike, and then there's a hill, and there's a walk thing above the hill, and somebody above the hill in the walk lane there, like they're trying to make loud there were louder noises than normal and so that kind of distract me and stuff from sun gazing but it 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 it, it didn't work i still kept focused and stuff that could be a demon too um i I used to um i'd get on a bus and um demoniac would just start muttering i mean like say if you open your bible yeah (laughs) You don't really you don't see people on buses anymore with Bibles, but um, it used to be that way back in the eighties. And I, I opened the Bible, and all of a sudden, some demonic act would just start muttering. 
it, yes, the timing of the whole thing, you know what I mean? I don't think that was a TI at all. I think, well, you just look at these people and it's pretty obvious they're demoniacs, you know. Yeah, I probably, um, yeah, I just, uh, oh, and then people, people, I, I, I don't think it's me getting targeted, but I, I think it's what you've said before, human de-evolution, people now, and it's not even the color of the person, people now, all types of police around here, they, they're not even using the, the crosswalk, they're going in the street and walking while you're driving. That happens uh, sometimes here. It's becoming a common occurrence here in L.A. Okay, so they're not using the sidewalk? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I've yeah. talked about that. And it's not. It's, it's, it's all types of people here. White people as well? White, uh, Indian. Yeah, name it. Huh. I only, see black, I only see black people doing that. It's... Uh, well, it depends on the situation, but it's, you know, potentially dangerous to say the least. Yeah, but... Uh, Black people get hit by cars. Uh, you can look that up. Yeah. Um, and, you know, on Google, they'll talk about, you know, it's some kind of racist thing uh, because they don't respect Black people as much. But actually, if you observe Black people, um, they... Now, we're only talking about a segment of Black people, okay? Yeah. But they seem to have a lower regard for their own self-preservation. You'll see all kinds of um, videos on YouTube of this kind of thing. You know, they don't seem to value um, their own life or the lives of others. I mean, it's just one video after another. <clears throat> yeah, I, I remember you telling me it's part of our culture. Our culture places a low value on you know human life. Doesn't. Every year, it's lower value. We're, yeah. We see this everywhere. I mean, every year that goes by, they're valuing the life of an older person less and less. Be, you know, there's people speaking out about this, you know. And it's headed in the direction, you know, for, you know, for the benefit of the whole, they're going to, you know, manufacture all this false scarcity like they're doing right now, like just today. I mean, I've heard this stuff before, but, you know, they're paying uh, farmers to destroy their own crops, you know. Um, it's it's false scarcity. We've we've got um, America could be could be the the breadbasket of the world. I don't know if they can right now because um, our crops are getting attacked by someone. Okay, uh, you could say the attack is within or it's from more than one source, but um, it, it's obvious. You know they're using geoengineering uh, to create um, famines, but the famines are kind of like local. Regional, yeah. you know, not the entire country. Yeah, it's becoming more and more obvious. This kind of stuff wasn't happening. Uh, sometimes it's too much rain. Yeah, they just the crops are ruined, um, or it's too cold. And these things didn't used to happen. But the Earth itself, you know, the environment is becoming increasingly uh, unstable. All you have to do is just, um, you know, introduce. Um, you know, chemicals, the threat of chemicals, and it's going to get worse each year. It's going to cause an imbalance. Well, we've got all these, um, just aluminum falling from the sky every single day. Even if there's no chemtrails over your area, there's, there's you know, there's aluminum in the, in the, in the air. And uh, it all collects in the soil, and it creates uh, 
pH balance. pH is extremely important in the human body or, or you know, in the soil. I mean, the chemistry of the soil is extremely important. If you're a good farmer, you know that. Also, the energy, there's energetic farming. That's a big subject we've talked about before. But, I mean, it's collecting all this, these heavy metals. And uh, the soil is deteriorating every year. There's experts out there talking about this. some great websites out there. And um, they're actually projecting um, the, the, the Earth's um, biosphere is going to collapse. This is not going to go on forever. People just assume, you know, I think that God will intervene at some point, but I don't know when. <clears throat> but they, they're doing this intentionally because they have a technology to reverse it all, and they don't, they don't, they don't want it. They want to create, it's the same old thing, problem, reaction, solution. Yeah. So, um, one of the biggest conspiracies out there is, is you know, the eco-conspiracy. Uh, we have to save the planet. You know, we all have to come together. And if you don't do this, then you're some kind of a eco-criminal. This is where we're headed, you know. Yeah. We got this kind of stuff going on here in Washington State. Really? Oh, yeah, Oregon, Washington. Oh, Jesus. Oh, it's pretty bad up there, too? Oh, yeah. Uh, um, Just yesterday, or was it today? This morning, I can't remember. Um, I think it was this morning. Yeah, early this morning. Um, you know, this is related to the subject, but um, 20% of cops have quit in Seattle because of all this woke uh, nonsense. Yeah. Okay. And uh, then I came across an, uh, an article, just not too totally, totally random, same thing going on in uh, Portland. All these cops are quitting. Really? I think they want to go to a different, uh, they're not just, you know, stopping all police work. They just don't want to work in that city anymore. They, you know, because that's what they do. They're a cop. They, they want to actually move their family and go somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. They, can't, they can't take it anymore. They're, they're breaking down psychologically. Um, like, you know, the, the police in, um, I don't want to, you know, misdirect the subject too much, but the police in uh, Minneapolis, um, they can't take it anymore, they say. They say, no one supports us. We have no support anywhere. Wow. Nobody. Nobody cares anymore. At least that's the way they perceive it. Um, yeah. That's not true because, see, there's people out there that, you know, support the blue, that kind of thing. Yeah. But they're not feeling it. They're not feeling the love, you know. Um, those people are, they're not out there speaking, supporting the police, you know. And yeah. um, when they start defunding the police, that's that's a destruction of society. It's happening across the board, all these crazy things they're doing. People don't realize what's going on. Um, every single day, this country is being systematically destroyed. Yeah. And again, you know, it's a process of gradualism. But they've done these kind of things before. You know, Yugoslavia yeah. or Venezuela. I don't know if they did it in Venezuela, but um, Venezuela. Uh, but they follow the same pattern. Yeah. It's actually, it's reducible to a four-step process. And they say we're on um, stage two right now. Oh, no. But yeah, they're going to, um, the, there will be some kind of policing going on. Problem, reaction, solution, because the people will cry out for a solution, right? Because all the crime. 
Yeah. But uh, what's, what, where this is headed is that the, you know, the, the gated communities and stuff um, and the wealthy, they're going to have their own police force. They're going to hire their own protection. The other people won't be able to afford it. That's, this is where this is headed. Because you know they're going to be protected, right? Yeah. They're going to want, they're going to be able to afford it. Um, these cities are being given over uh, to destruction. And uh, it's shocking what has happened to down, downtown Portland. You can go to videos and, and look at it. This guy, uh-huh. in the article, he was saying it looks like a, you know, post, something out of a post-apocalyptic movie. Now, there are places, uh, you know, down. it's not the entire downtown. It's a significant section of it. Same thing in Seattle. There's places you can go downtown. It looks perfectly fine, you know. But, like, for instance, um, well, this was San Francisco. Same thing in San Francisco. Came across an article today where they have closed, I believe it was either 17 or 19 um, Walgreens drugstores. Yeah. Because of the shoplifting. Oh, wow. And so they had this local authority. I think he was a police chief. And he was actually advising at the end of the video, you know, that um, he says, I recommend that, you know, if you're an employee and these people come in, um, you know, don't do anything. Don't resist. Which I would too, because um, it's it's life threatening. So you know, if you've got like five females working in a clothing store or something like that, and all these people you know rush in there with a flash mob, they just stand there and watch. They're not gonna, what are they going to do? They're not going to. And to these people know that. But the question is, where are the police? You know, they always show up late. But then again, I mean, they're actually understaffed right now in these big cities, and that that's what they want. And also, they've got a bad attitude. They're, they're apathetic. They want, they want that, too. That's a part of the, um, the plan. You know. Wow. And, uh, they want to create problems, and then um, they want the people to cry out for an answer, and then they'll give you um, a solution that will benefit their agenda. It's the same thing. They do this all through history. The people don't understand what's going on. This is not compatible with their view of reality. They don't want to believe this kind of stuff's going on. So, you know, they don't want to acknowledge it. But it's going on every single day. It's just getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. A lot of things, they don't really make any sense yeah. to the common person. You know, why would someone want to do that? So it doesn't make any sense to them. So they just... Well, I don't understand. What's the heck? You're trying to say this is trying to say this is a conspiracy? They're doing this deliberately? That doesn't make any sense to me. People will actually say, you know, I can't believe that, and that's true. You don't have the capacity to believe that, and that's okay. You know, this person, they don't go around thinking about what they perceive to be negative subjects. There's enough negativity in the world. They like to focus on things that. um, that they enjoy thinking about. Wouldn't you agree with me? Of course, and they keep their mind on entertainment. Yeah. Well, like I said, the the typical person's day, they actually seek pleasure uh, from moment to moment. And the, um, you know, philosophers have talked about this kind of thing in the past. I've said before that the Greek, some of the Greek philosophers, they talked about how um, every action of man is to alleviate anxiety and how that's uh, compatible with the uh, Christian worldview to a certain degree, because we have um, theologians talk about what's called original guilt, 
which is associated with, you know, with original sin. It has to do with the fall in Genesis 3, you know, the yeah. curse and all that. And uh, we all, you know, we have a conscience, right? Yeah. And we get convicted, and even if people don't acknowledge their conscience, they're still um, experiencing that guilt, even if they don't understand it. You know, yeah. They know that was wrong, you know. And uh, so um, they, um, if you're not going to go to God, and be forgiven, then you have to do, you have to act out, do certain things in order to alleviate your guilt. And one of the ways they do it, they just suppress it, put it in the background, don't think about it, you know what I mean? Which is not going to solve the problem, it's going to get worse and worse. <clears throat> yeah. Most people, you can see very easily, they, they justify themselves, even to themselves, whether to other people or to themselves, you know. And they want to believe that they're a good person. I'm, I'm fundamentally a good person because what if you're not a fundamentally good person? Well, you're going to have some problems with guilt. That's not going to make you feel good. So everyone wants to believe they're a good person. It's actually that simple. People are fundamentally simple. It's not, it's not complex. Although, you know, humans are very complex, but they're also quite simple. You know, their, their behavior. Yeah. But there's complexity behind the simplicity, you know, why do they do these things? Why do they act so simple? That is a bit complex because there's a lot of different factors involved. And human beings um, are actually complex themselves. You know. Yeah. Man is a complex being. But with all this programming stuff like that, and evolution, dumbing everything down, um, people act very simplistically. And they're not hard to figure out or predict. Most of them um, are involved some degree of groupthink, right? Yeah. Oh, let me ask you something, Dave. Um, do you feel like you like to be around people, too? Because I heard some of your podcasts, and uh, I was thinking something like that as well, sometimes in, a little bit uh, in my observations from last year. Uh, I noticed now, too, people, like we talked on before, people are really not going to say hi back or nothing. They're, they're in their little uh, bubble. They're just trying to get to point, point A to point B to do whatever they're going to do for their routine or something. Have you noticed anything like that, like how people are and, and you feel like people don't want to be around people or even yourselves? Well, what's happening is um, humans are deteriorating. Systematic, progressive deterioration. Uh And so uh, people are progressively avoiding other people. Um, You start to figure this out like when you're in your 20s and stuff like that. People get damaged by relationships with other people. This is really obvious, like in the dating scene. You have one bad experience after another, you know what I mean? And you become psychologically damaged. In the ancient world, the patriarchs would protect, like, a daughter from these kind of things, you know. They didn't have to, you know, they didn't have to go through any of this kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, they make it desirable in the movies and things like that, um, most of the time, you Yeah. Know? And so people want to go out there and experience life. And uh, dating sounds like fun when you're young, but um, 
anyway, um, the the quality of these people is deteriorating, and uh, people have these bad experiences, and um, they start eventually. You start to pick up on this, and you actually start systematically avoiding people. Like on conspiracy forums, they'll talk about you'll you'll see these threads pop up where a guy will ask, uh, you know, when you're walking. Um, down the sidewalk, do you deliberately like avoid people coming towards you? And it's amazing how many people will say yes, but I didn't used to, you know. Wow. It's because of these experiences they have. Yeah. People are not friendly. Every year, people become less friendly. Would you agree with me on that? Oh, I've experienced that. Yeah, so what is the cause behind all that? Well, it's multiple causes, you know. But one of the things that's going on, every year, people are becoming less happy. And we don't like to acknowledge that because it doesn't make us feel good. But people are not happy, and every year they're becoming less happy, and every year they're becoming more depressed. Where is this all going to end? Yeah. You do have false happiness. You know, the government will give you false hope. And a lot of people misinterpret um, what the government's doing. And so they think, oh, this is something good, and they'll become artificially happy about it like the radical left, the woke folk. Yeah. They think something good is going on. They don't understand that they're being played. You know, yeah. they think something wonderful. Oh, they actually, this is incredible. There's people, <laughs> they think society is getting better. They think people are waking up and, you know, all they're waking up to is the propaganda I just saw on a conspiracy thread today. Uh-huh. Actually said woke propaganda. That's all it is. You're just waking up to propaganda. That's all it is. And you know what this is? The woke propaganda, it's a 180-degree lie. Like I kind of coined that term. It's the complete opposite of the truth. What yeah. did you wake up to? All you did was wake up to the, their agenda. See, before you weren't paying attention. You got um, a hold of bad information. You um, Before you weren't paying attention, but then you were confronted by the propaganda and you bought into the propaganda. And now you think you're an enlightened being or something, and you want to go around and tell other people and change the world? No. Um, and, you know, I've said these people are mind control subjects, which sounds really radical at first, but um, every month that goes by, more and more people out there, I mentioned this recently, are saying on these forums that these people are on mind control. And um, they are... Um, completely lost. Yeah. It's, it's, and in, increasingly more robotic. Yeah. Um, I wanted to just throw this out there to you because you're kind of an observer of society. Um, well, two things. Um, keep it, because I know you're watching like, um, you know, the commute and stuff like that. But keep an eye on, this also has to do with like people in your family, because um, this is what people are saying. Um, they're trying to say this has something to do with the vaccines. I'm not going to say anything like that on the show. Okay. Okay, because uh, the show is, <laughs> and we can't talk about what we used to talk about. Okay. Yeah. You just, you just can't say it anymore. Okay. And um, I don't really know what I can talk about um, to tell you the truth. You know, because they don't really tell you. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm talking about personality changes. And people are claiming this is the vaccines are causing this kind of change. And there's a lot of people talking about this, like people in their own family. 
you know. The other thing is, is that um, there was a thread one day, it was a really good one, on God Lake Productions, uh, claiming that um, something has really happened just recently, very recently, and this guy's speculating and has something to do with vaccines, but he's saying that people are crashing into trees and driving 10 miles uh, per hour slower, like on the freeway, uh, also like driving out of their lane, weaving around and stuff like that. And so I asked, uh, I got two trucker friends, you know, they've both been on the show, and I asked one of them, and he said yes. And he's even said he's seen people crashing the tree. I, I didn't, I should have asked him, how many times? Probably at least twice. It sounded like it was more than once, you know. But he's yeah. seen all those things, and he said it just it started happening recently. So keep an eye out for that. Personality changes. But I know you you keep an eye on the, um, the commute because when society starts to deteriorate, you know, person by person, I've said one of the first places you'll see it is in your daily commute. You know, so sure enough, you see these YouTube videos of just unbelievable, like, road rage. Things yeah. that are completely unprecedented. If something has happened, and, you know, they try to explain it while people are unhappy, you know, because of COVID and they're out stress. And you can explain some of that, but this is completely over the top, you know. And I could go into individual videos that I, I can actually recall. Um, people will just get out of their car and just start beating somebody up. And it, it's... It, women or a, a man being up a woman, you know? Yeah. Uh, but a lot of times it's, they're females and this, this behavior didn't used to exist. It was quite rare. And now it's becoming increasingly common. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll take a note of that because I'll, I'll just say this and I won't mention it because you'll, you know what you're told, but yeah. Um, uh, most of my family has went through with that, you know, the uh, thing from the CDC. Uh-huh. So there's only a small portion of us that have not followed through the guidelines of the CDC. Oh, you're not getting vaccinated? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll, I noticed somebody in my family, my grandfather, he got it back in February, and he was fine for his age. You know, he was still healthy. Mm-hmm. And now, so uh, three months later, his lungs are scarring up. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying point blank that it might be linked to that, you know, from what he did. But before, he didn't have any problems with his lungs. Everything was good, and... He, he just had a checkup before, and everything was A-OK. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I'm not even going to give my opinion here, but if you want to, you know, the the, <laughs> the media, you know, the controlled media, let's say like CNN. Yeah. Um, they've been speaking in you know, glowing terms about the vaccine, but they, they are speaking now about uh, side effects and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, all you have to do is go to Godlike Productions, go to the search engine, and put um, vaccine uh-huh. and prepare for a shock because it's really scary. Oh, no. 
and it just goes on and on and on and on and on, and it's all negative. And all this information is completely ignored by the media. So it's like the opposite extreme. So it's like, hold it here. You know what I mean? What are you supposed to believe? Yeah. Um, like I said, though, the commute, each year since I've been here, I've been here now in L.A. area for Hawthorne for over four years, and every year my commute is getting worse. Yeah. And worse. That's all strategic. Uh, one of the ways you can prove it, if you go to a high-end community, like I said before, the traffic lights work more efficiently. So they're doing this deliberately. Now, if you get on the freeway, they're slowing everybody down. Okay. In the high-end community, the street lights will work more efficiently. In the high-end places, because I work in the high-end place in uh, Beverly Hills, Century City area, when I was out with my clients and stuff, uh, we seen two people that have, these were high-end cars, at least eighty to $100,000 on two different occasions running a red light and knew they were running a red light. Well, they're, they're, they are treated differently than police officers. Yeah, no, well, there were no police officers around, and they didn't have a camera on. Uh-huh. But, but, yeah, the worst drivers I've seen are actually in the richest places here in L.A. The worst police officers? No, the worst drivers. People oh. who can't drive correctly are the people that have the money over here. Not... I mean, there's people everywhere driving, but what I've seen the most were running red lights and uh, running stop, stop, stop signs and pulling out in front of people or people from the, like, very high-rich areas. Why do you think they do that? They, they probably, I don't know. I don't think it's just, I don't know if it's just about what we were speaking about or I think it's, I think they had this idea that they're privileged and they could just yeah. do whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's possible. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, uh, oh yeah. Um, uh, not too far from my client's, uh, condo where I work, um, probably about a mile and a half. And this is what I take to home every time. And sometimes I go in the morning there. But uh, I just missed a wreck. This is about two months ago. Uh, by 10 minutes, I seen the car and stuff. A, a young 23-year-old girl got killed because somebody wasn't paying attention, and they were just driving and just whatever. Mm-hmm. Just bammed her, just head, head, head on. Came in her lane, head on. Mm-hmm. It was awful. I don't, you know, it's just, uh, so what, what would you say then, Dave, to, would you talk to people about, like, the stuff that you've learned and, you know, and the stuff I've learned from you and then I've learned from, you know, the last five or six years? You, you know, you told me, you know, and I followed your advice, keep my mouth kind of quiet in church, right, you know, about the stuff, you know, just the basic stuff like chemtrails and stuff, you know? Yeah. But, 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 I mean, we got to follow the time and, you know, what God says, but it's, 
when you when I've said it to people close to me, and I'm trying to, like you say, simplify it to the lowest common denominator, it's it's like they don't get it. Sometimes they're like, they, they don't say, "Well, you're crazy," but they look at me with a, what you say, like a dumbfound, a dumbfound, a dumbfound look or something. They're dumbfounded. And can I be honest? I'm I'm not mad because it's just frustrating sometimes. Very frustrating sometimes. Yeah, it's kind of complex because um, a lot of times, um, you know, every family is different, but this is a general trend in America that um, there's a lot of competition in families. It has to do with the ego. You know, for instance, yeah. like between two brothers, you know, and a different family, there may not be any problems at all. But um, there are different types of programming where it's directed at everybody. And uh, we're all, we all have competition programming. It's consistent with the culture we live in. It has to do with consumerism. Yeah. And people, uh, you know, for instance, like the males are programmed to compete with each other. Yeah. Where, you know, anciently, everyone had a, it actually depended on their abilities and their giftings. They had a, a role in the tribe that was assigned yeah. to them, kind of like in a properly functioning, charismatic church. You identify the people's gifts and then um, give them something to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, it's, um, it's not that way today. Um, the black community functions more along a tribal lines. They, um, if there's helpful information, they, they kind of get spread around. Yeah. With the white community, you can see that we're more separated from each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And um, you're on your own. Um, and it has to do with complication. But anyway, um, it really is amazing. Like, the obvious example, like, you know, when you get quote-unquote saved, you know, and yeah. you would think, you know, your people, I mean, your family would be happy for you. Yeah, it depends whether they're religious or not. <laughs> uh, but actually, you get typically, a lot of times a negative response. Or if you, yeah, I mean, let's take an obvious example. Let's say you're a CEO and you get disgusted with the whole thing. You see these stories of people on YouTube and they decide to go off and live a completely different life. And uh, you think that people would be happy for you or whatever, whatever it happens to be. You're expecting your family to be happy because, um, you know, they're supposed to love you, and so um, they want yeah. you to be happy, and so um, they want you to. That's that's the priority, but you don't you don't see that. It's like you know you're stepping out from the norm here, and uh, you know get back in line and, and do what you're supposed to do. These are people that are programmed. You see, to yeah. respond that way. In other words, you, you discover that they're actually not. Um, concerned apparently about you being happy they're more concerned about you wanting to conform and actually um one of the things that still survives from tribalism is that you represent the family and you can disgrace the family um sometimes the more traditional the family is the more it's like this by doing things out of the norm yeah brought scorn to the family this is not the way we do things you know in my family an irish family on my dad's side, they had a very strong work ethic. Yeah. You know, and uh, they became pretty successful. Uh, they were hard workers, you know, everybody worked hard. I had that work ethic when I was uh, a kid, always. Yeah. 
Uh, I outworked uh, other people on the job, and people noticed it and talked about it. It was no big thing. I mean, that's just the way it was. Yeah. I always had that. Um, yeah, my whole family was like that. And, of course, you don't – that's largely gone now. Yeah. Actually, because of the family, because these children are not – they're overly protected from negativity. Yeah. And uh, it's a big subject, but, I mean, you can't even keep these kids on the job. They just walk off the job. Right now, um, well, you hear any stories in parts of the country, like, say, for instance, like McDonald's is actually hiring people – not hiring people, but paying the $50 just to um, – Take a job interview. They can't even keep people on the job. I've seen some YouTube videos of um, these are like high quality, like uh, you know, restaurants or something like that. Yeah. And uh, they 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 they're under uh, understaffed. And they can't they can't get people to work for them. Wow. They don't want to work. Uh, it has to do with the government, uh, you know, putting out all this. Um, you know, there's money to people. Yeah. Um, recompense because of COVID, stuff like that. The stimulus? Stimulus, yeah. I was looking yeah. for the right word. Um, I do believe that, um, you know, what LBJ did, Lyndon, Lyndon uh, Johnson? Yeah. Uh, what was it called? Uh, was it called the New Deal or was that Roosevelt? I don't remember. That, Ro- Roosevelt was the New Deal. Okay, well, this is the welfare program in, in the mid-60s. But that was actually a psychological operation against the black community. And um, the reason it was is because um, the way that God has designed fallen man is that, first of all, when you do something, um, accomplish something, you have a sense of accomplishment. You actually feel good. This also happens when you actually help people for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. You feel good after that. A lot of people don't notice that, so it's, it's good to point that out. Yeah. Um, that you need to have a sense of accomplishment. These are just the basic human needs, okay? And in other words, you need to work and accomplish something, okay? Yeah. And if you're just living off the government, you're not going to experience that kind of thing, and it's actually going to cause psychological damage, okay? And I, you don't really hear people talk about that, Um you actually have a bad image of yourself. You'll start acting out different ways. You'll not be in, typically in denial. You'll have low self-esteem. You'll also have low motivation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, but that's, that's actually the way, if you, if you give away things for free, that's the way you actually destroy a society. People have to you know, work through mentally these little steps to understand how this works. It's actually a psychological operation. See, on the surface of things, it looks good. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is what's going to happen if you have a universal income and everything, um, because the way we're headed, I mean, there are these big, what they call experts out there that are talking about this. This is where it's going to all go. And this is like supposed to be a good thing. You know, you won't, you won't, no one will really work anymore. It, everything will be replaced by robots. And um, people will have a life of leisure. You know, see, that looks good on the surface, right? But actually, it will completely destroy the society. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, when people have no sense of accomplishment, and they'll begin to mentally deteriorate, and they'll turn to, well, you see, uh, you know, in uh, Brave New World by uh, Alex Huxley, uh, the people are given soma because they're going to need to be drugged 
so they don't experience this kind of thing, uh, you know, mentally, emotionally. Yeah, I pointed out before, it's already been proven. You can um, just put pills, drugs, and put empathy. Uh, but these prescription pills that they're, um, <clears throat> these doctors are giving people, uh, they destroy natural human empathy. And sure enough, like in the manosphere, they're noticing that young women are acting in ways that they have not historically. They don't seem to have any sense of empathy. Yeah. I mean, like when a relationship ends, it has to be this great big destructive type thing. Like now your enemy, my enemy, and I want to destroy you, and I hope that you fail and all this crazy stuff. We don't need all that. Oh, yeah. Just go to the next person. But they actually try to destroy you. I mean, yep. everything they can do to destroy you. Um, they act more like predators. Which is another subject. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, people are becoming more predatory every year. In fact, you can look at all these different categories and they're all, everything's deteriorating. Nothing is getting better. Can you think of anything that is getting better at any significant level in the society, in a specific category? Because um, there might be something. I think there is. Um, the more negativity and the more pain that we endure, I've talked about the... Um, the value of pain and suffering, how God works through that, people, it is waking people up to some degree. I mean, you know, the people that were fast asleep, just the sheer, you know, unemployment can do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, you're not trusting the system like you used to. So, I mean, you know, it's not like across the board. But then again, why is that happening? Because of societal deterioration. But something good came out of it. But society's not getting better. Which is that now trouble's knocking at your door and you're starting to feel it too, you know. So you're starting to question the system. Everything's going fine at your end. People don't really question the system. They just go along with the show. They read about other people that are suffering, you know. Maybe empathetic or not. Yeah. Uh, but most people are losing empathy uh, for different reasons. Um, if things are getting bad enough that you can't really worry about other people, you've got to focus on yourself and your own loved ones, you know. That's hard enough right there. You don't have anything left over for other people, you know. Yeah. You know, uh, every year that goes by now, people are becoming less sympathetic towards the homeless. And I believe that that is a psyop, too. Deliberate. It's all deliberate um, because this is leading to something. Uh, but, but, but people are, they are fed up with homeless people in one of these big cities. Yeah. Can't take it anymore because they've had one negative experience after another. You look at quite Clyde Lewis actually admits that he lives in the bad part of town. I'm not sure what he lives in the Portland area, you know. But yeah. he's talked in detail about, you know, just locally around his home how things have deteriorated significantly. And um you know, the prostitution, the drug dealing, uh, these tents, the garbage, uh, needles, completely changed. You know, and it's yeah. increasingly dangerous. And um, I'm glad that I'm a male because um, I'd be scared to walk outside at night if I was a female. Yeah. I mean, you can't, unless you've got something with you uh, to defend yourself, 
you should have something like mace or something like that. I mean, if you're completely undefended, I mean, you see these females out there walking alone at night, and, and they're not prostitutes, you know, they don't appear to be. You're just going, what the heck are you thinking? They're usually kind of young, you know, especially if they're reasonably attractive. Yeah. Because people just grab them because they don't value. Every year that goes by, people value human life less and less. Don't you agree with me? This is where we're headed, see? Oh, yeah. See, people don't value um, the, you know, Christian-influenced society that no longer exists. We live in a post-Christian America. And so this is what you're going to get. Uh, it's interesting, some of these discussions and rulings they're having recently uh, about abortion, you know, Roe versus Wade, just recently in the last few days, that's kind of curious. God may be doing something there. Um, I talked to Chuck, and I said there are like a few things, like you know the the the, uh, the audit that's going on in uh, Arizona with the voting. That's be actually being exposed. It's like wow, you know. Um, I think this is going to lead to something. It, it will sound like you know I'm being overly optimistic. But you can't forget God. Um, God, see, God, he exposes um, evil and wickedness, right, all through history? Yeah. You can't just, you know, write God off and say, well, God's not going to do anything. None of this is going to be exposed. Um, he's, he's done this all through history. Wickedness gets exposed. It's just, it's, it has to do with timing. When is he going to do it? And generally, it looks like um, he waits too long. We want God to do something now, you know. So, you know, when God responds that way or doesn't respond, it becomes obvious at some point that he has a purpose in allowing evil. And I've said before, the reason he does that is to glorify himself. When you hear that, you go, that doesn't even make a lick of sense to me, Dave. Okay? But it's a big, complicated subject. But the Bible teaches that. It's obvious that he's allowing evil. So based on his nature we could easily conclude that the reason he did that was to achieve a greater good. See that? Yeah. Everything that God does is to achieve a greater good, but it, it, it has to do with the long term. See, we really want short-term resolution. And uh, that's not God's priority. He just, it makes him look as if he's indifferent. And what we're seeing up to this point anyway is that people are losing uh, faith in the existence of God or belief in God because they just can't, especially like young people, you know, they can't reconcile, like, you know, the biblical God with what they see in society. They don't see God acting in society. At least uh, atheism and nihilism. Yeah, I mean... It has to do with hopelessness, by the way. Go ahead. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, what you hear in the church and what you see in in your life when you go outside and experience it, it's totally two different worlds. Yeah, the typical pastor, he, well, I, you know, I've said they live in a pastor world, right? But they're kind of disconnected. Not all of them. I mean, some of these guys are right out there ahead of everybody in the streets, uh, getting their hands dirty, helping the poor, doing, you know. We applaud yeah. all that, but actually, in the Bible, they're kind of misdirected. In the Bible, you're supposed to help your own first. 
So it's fine if you want to do that, but you need to have a, you know, programs in the church, uh, you know, for instance, to help widows. If you're out there helping the poor, but you're not helping widows in your own, you, you know, you got your priorities skewed. You know, but you're supposed to take care of your own first. This is not selfishness, but it's think about it. it's basic common sense. You know what I mean, uh, but most churches don't have those kind of programs. Um, where they actually help their own. Yeah. Um, the Catholics are actually the best at it. Um, tells you something about Protestantism. I experienced this myself, you know. Like if you're talking about food pantries or something like that, you're going to find yeah. them in Catholic churches. Yeah. This is kind of odd. Yeah. You, get, you know, the Protestants look down their nose at Catholics, oh, they're not even safe. A question where they are saved. Or <laughs> if you go to Google, let's say, do you believe that Catholics are saved? Some simple question like that. You'll see it up at the top, you know, and you click on it, and somebody will give an answer. You know, like that one website, what's it called, Quiora or something like that? Q-U-R-A, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. They have these little pat answers. And some of it's good. Well, um, I'm, it's getting late for me. Right. You asked me about um, the question about atheism. You want to save that to later? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, it depends. You, you, well, it's not, I could stay up for this one. Well, it's not really atheism. Oh, it could be. It depends on your outlook. But, uh, oh, yeah, the question was about, like, does did Jesus ever exist or something? Uh, I think yeah. I said that. Asked you the question, right? Was that the mm-hmm. question I asked you? And how and how could we? I know the mentality of the system and stuff. They like to have the evidential proof, but like, how could we be more like prove it? Like, or not prove it, but like you know that there is Jesus. I, not for myself, but how would we? talk to people uh, that way that, that, that believe that they believe in Caesar's Messiah and stuff uh, and some other. Well, okay. You're talking about a specific book. Not just that. No, that's not just, that's, that's probably one of the most popular, but then there's other books uh, from other supposedly historians and, or whatever, uh, just proven uh, supposedly from their viewpoint that Jesus couldn't exist. Okay, well, Caesar's Messiah, I um, have reason to believe that the author of that book, I mean, I've heard him interviewed. He's actually an agent on the payroll. That's just my opinion, okay? Yeah, I could be wrong, okay? But um, as far as anything significant in that book, it's 100% unprovable, okay? Um, Prove one thing. What, by the way, what is the thesis of that book? Does he believe that Paul was a Roman agent and, and propaganda was created by the Romans about Jesus, right? Yeah, it came from uh, Josephus was actually Flavius or something like that. Okay, well, I'm hoping the opinion that Josephus didn't exist. I mentioned that recently. 
There's no way to prove that any of these historical figures existed. It's impossible. So what might have triggered that was when you heard me uh, talk about on a show, I've said a number of times that it's impossible for any human authority, unless they have access to privileged information, to prove one single thing with absolute certainty before the 14th century. Try to do that. You see, what, what that does is it forces the mind to think for the first time. Then I'll introduce the, um, the novel concept that you didn't think about this, but you were actually trusting someone for that information. And typically, this is oversimplification because I'm focusing on Western society, the West. We have Western programming, which just ignores the East. It, it's there to keep propaganda simple. So to keep it simple, just completely ignore the East. <laughs> and, um, but they, um, they do that kind of thing. And um, just a second. What are they talking about? Um, about, like, you talk about, like, how can we trust or something? What's well, oh, yeah, well, the, that was what you're trusting is the medieval Roman Catholic Church because they had control over all the information. You know? Yeah. And, um, and people don't realize it's kind of funny because um, you might have a young atheist and he's you know, looking at all the YouTube videos or something like that. And uh, he doesn't realize that he's actually trusting the medieval Roman Catholic Church, even though he's demonizing that same institution. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's falling for propaganda that's very old from the Roman Catholic Church. He doesn't realize that. It's kind yeah. of funny. It's like with an atheist. Um, nothing significant is going on upstairs. They're just believing what they're told um, by all, I'm broad-basing a little bit, but all, generally all non-religious educational institutions. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, they don't promote the existence of God, right? But he's just towing the line and thinking he's, the same thing with these woke people. Yeah. They think they've discovered, you didn't, the only thing you discovered was propaganda. And all you did was um, digest the propaganda. And the propaganda is designed to make you believe that you're now more enlightened than you used to be. In other words, exactly what I've said over the years, it's designed to feed your ego. And we're going to take it to a different level. Oh, you're special. You're one of the woke people. It's also designed to make you look down your nose at the people who haven't woken up yet like you have. Yeah, like, yeah. Don't you want to get your, your pink pussy hat and get out there and identify with the women's movement, you know, if you're a male? Why wouldn't you want to do that, you know, now that you've woke up, you know? The anti-female agenda by the evil patriarchy. Don't you want to get out there and march with these girls? <clears throat> <laughs> Oh, yeah. And they'll try to recruit you, too. I, mean, I was just listening to a YouTube channel uh, it has to do with the Manosphere actually this morning, and this guy's talking about how these women, you date them, and they want you to get out there and march with them you know, for women's rights and stuff like that. And this guy said, I don't have time for that. I've got other things to do <laughs> with my life. 
Okay, so uh, anyway, um, the, um, the human mind is suffering um, from uh, actually bondage. It, ha- it has to do fundamentally with the will. Uh, Martin Luther talked about this in uh, the classic book, The Bondage of the Will. I actually have that book. Uh, I haven't read through it. It's pretty large. He actually teaches uh, Christian fatalism. Um, a lot of Lutherans don't know that. There's no significant evidence in there that he acknowledges freedom of will. And I used to hold to this view. In fact, if you listen to the earlier podcast, I actually uh, said that I was a Christian fatalist. And I developed a complex apologetic for why God would do something like that. And it basically had to do with um, everything is arranged to glorify God perfectly um, over the course of time. Mm. And everything is eventually reconciled to universalism or universal reconciliation. And so as long as God um, resolves everything, you know, you've got the passage in Jeremiah where it says, you know, the potter can do what he wants with the clay. Well, guess who the clay is? That's you and me. But see how the brain, who was always thinking along, well, God's dealing along, it has to do with human compassion, his plan. It It doesn't process that. It has to do with sovereignty. God can do whatever he wants with any creature at any time. And most Christians don't believe that. Okay, so the Bible shows you these things, but um, that Christians, well, the human mind is antagonistic to revolution. You know? Yeah. Right, right down. It's actually, the fundamental problem is that the human is in antagonistic, the human nature fallen is antagonistic to God. That, that's the fundamental problem. But it affects the intellect. So your, your mind's not even thinking along those lines. You're thinking that, like a child, that God, well, he's a father, he's represented that way, but he's represented other ways too, like a sovereign Lord, but he's always um, wants to help his children, you know, because he, he is the most compassionate being, right? Well, that's a fundamental belief of Christianity. He's a God of love. Um, but he has other roles too. He's also um, the judge. You know, yeah. And uh, and and he will um, reject a people or groups of people or countries or even the world, um, essentially. And then uh, all these curses start to come down. These judgments and yeah. people are dying. This is right in the Bible. I mean, it's just, you know, right there in front of your face with a great flood. And that's the God that people worship, but they have um, changed this God. They've modified him um, and simplified him. He's just a God of love, you know. That's the way he's presented in most churches. And, you know, Jesus has a wonderful plan for your life. Don't you want to experience them? They're trying to get people attracted to Christianity. They're using false methods yeah. of evangelization, and you end up with all these people in churches that shouldn't be there. We talked yeah. about this recently um, with the closed communion and things like that. But anyway, um, the short answer is that you, you can't convince um, an atheist that Jesus existed. Um, it's impossible. And um, because um, it has to do with the um, the bondage of the will, the mind is actually entrapped 
it actually portrays the mind as being entrapped by Satan. And it sits in the dark. And um, God has to act on behalf of that. You can't extract yourself from that situation. God, so God has to act first. I mean, yeah. And um, probably the best example of this kind of thing would be like in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, which I mentioned from time to time. 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says, the person without the spirit, um, other passages will say like, you know, the natural man. Yeah. Like if it's uh, a thought-for-thought translation like the NIV. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. And it says, and cannot understand them. He cannot, because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So the condition that you're in is that you cannot understand the things of God. So how are you going to get out of this situation? God has to act first. You see, you're actually helpless. But most Christians don't, they don't believe that. They believe that man can extract himself out of that by his own human effort. See that? Yeah. They will acknowledge the importance of grace but they don't acknowledge what all the Protestant reformers taught, that God does it all himself. You know, and, and, the, and the human is incapable of doing this. I mean, that's the thesis of um, Luther's book. You, you, that's called the bondage of the will. You can't, you can't do it. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, so that's the condition that man is in. So, I mean, um, what I have said, you know, it's just kind of a theoretical example. It's not a practical one. Yeah. Um, as far as like, you know, try, you're talking about trying to prove that Jesus was a historical figure or something like that, but it relates to the subject of trying to prove that God exists. Um, what you would do is, um, and this is never really going to happen, but you, <laughs> it does illustrate something. You would actually pay someone or a group of people uh, to show up on a regular basis and uh, you'd give them a, a stipend fund, and they would sit there and look at all this. Um, it would be a daily seminar or whatever the heck. Mm-hmm. All of this evidence that God exists or that Jesus existed. And uh, the, the evidence eventually would just pile up into the sky. I mean, you see, what we're talking about is absolute proof. That's not absolute proof. And so, really, can you convince anybody in the short term? You, you're not able to do that, and you don't have the burden of doing that. Did you know that? Yeah. Um, a lot of Christians are confused about that. They think they have the burden of trying to convince people, and atheists will take advantage of that because they love to argue with Christians. You know what I'm Yeah. And so what you're looking for is a prepared heart. And um, if you um, meet somebody at the... Um, the proper time, and that is their time right there. God can use you. And you could say anything. Yeah, God could use it. You could talk about, isn't nature beautiful? Yeah. And then you could lead to the subject of God, and maybe you could, I mean, this stuff normally does not work. I'm talking about giving a little testimony about how you became born again. But see, if that person has lost a loved one or lost a job, he's searching, he's wondering, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
And if he meets you at the right moment, it doesn't take a whole lot. But it's not going to be done through argumentation and debate, typically. It'll be actually something relatively simple that touches the person's heart on an emotional level. And um, so, I mean, there's more evidence that Jesus, well, first of all, no one's going to come and prove that anyone influenced uh, the world more than Jesus Christ. Who is this person? So, just focusing on that alone, he's the least likely person to not have existed in the ancient world. You see that? But this is a completely different um, subject than trying to infallibly prove that Jesus existed. See, that's what the atheist wants. And also, it's important to point out to Christians, Christians do not have the burden of trying to prove anything. See, that's a false burden. The atheist wants to put that on you. You don't. You don't have to. You don't have to even respond to them. Okay, if they're if they are sincere, and they're seeking, you know, uh, truth, kind of have to feel them out. You know, give them a chance. You know, you actually are required to give them a response. There's a good scripture uh, that talks about that. You're probably familiar with it. You give an answer to every man who asks of you for the hope that lies within you. Right. See, that has to do with apologetics and, you know, sharing the gospel, okay? But you don't have the burden of proving God or proving that Jesus was a historical figure, and actually because you can't. But now, what's important, you can't do it in the short term. It's virtually impossible. And, of course, that theoretical example, that's not, it's not practical at all. I'm just saying that the evidence is there. You see, that person is going to have to do that to his own exploration, self-education, that's typically how God works. But God can bypass all that. It can just be like an emotional type thing. And it's something that you say, you don't have to be a very intelligent person, to trigger that person on an emotional level. And when he goes home, I mean, you could even say a little prayer with him, just like a Baptist evangelist would do, and, you know, uh, you know, lead him in salvation. Uh, that's extremely rare for an atheist. But he may... He may go home and think about it for a few weeks. It doesn't have to happen because he's got, he's got things percolating in the background that's causing him to seek. And maybe he's just trying to get some, – you know, some people, now they've tried this, they've tried that, and they've tried this, and they've tried that, and nothing's worked for them. So now they want to try Jesus. It's kind of plug into Jesus. I've seen people like around here, you know, they do that. You know, they're alcoholics or they're getting out. But people will do this when they're in the penitentiary, you know, and nothing else has worked. But their motive is wrong. But you can still get quote unquote saved. It isn't. It's not really that hard to get saved, in my opinion. It's hard to stay saved. In fact, without God's grace, you can't do it. You know, Augustine talked about what ultimately saves you. He called it the gift of faith. But that the gift of faith is actually the gift of perseverance, which is given to one person, not to another. Okay, which you know is acceptable. If, in the end, um, you have universal reconciliation, you know, the potter can do whatever he wants with the clay, why does he do that? In order to glorify himself, and that's typically done through illustrating something. I, mean, um, I just want to point out, there's an interesting passage in Philippians 2, 12 through 13. This actually has to do with like the process of salvation, which I talked about before. It has three or four distinct stages, which actually culminates in the judgment 
seat of Christ, and it has different verb tenses. There's two scriptures that talk about ongoing salvation. Most Christians focus on initial salvation, you know, looking back. The scriptures focus primarily on the future, some curiously. Uh, and you'll notice that there's some kind of blockage in the Christian mind because we hear this passage over and over in Philippians 2.12. It says, So then, my beloved, e- even as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The reason that people quote that so much, it doesn't matter how much they talk about grace. They actually believe in work salvation. Work salvation just has to do with man can do something to, you know, contribute towards their salvation, ultimately. You know, the Bible doesn't teach that. And you'll notice the very next verse, they don't, they don't quote this verse. This, 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 this verse is qualifying the previous verse. This is verse 13. It says, for it, it's going to qualify. It says, for it is God who works in you, this is incredible, both to will and to work. It's actually talking about the human will. This God who works in you, both to will and to work. Now this is even more incredible what's going to say next. And why does he do this? Out of human compassion? No. For his good pleasure. Did you know that the reason that God saves people is for to glorify himself? It sounds selfish, you know what I mean? That's what the Bible teaches. And it doesn't register on the Christian brain because it's fallen. But yeah, you cannot um you can't prove these things in the short term. Um theoretically you could <laughs> in the long term, but it's not it's not practical at all. You know what I mean? I'm just saying there's sufficient evidence. Here's the thing. The Bible teaches there's sufficient evidence to prove the existence of God by examining uh, the creation. It teaches that in Romans chapter 1, right? But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you're going to get saved, especially in the era that we live in, because you have to have specific information about the Messiah to respond to. I've talked about this many times, you know, so Paul says, how will they know without a preacher? Like what we would call like an evangelist, you know? Well, you're not going to know, you know. And um, are you still there, man? Okay, well, <laughs> when Matt comes on the show, we talk about um, how he typically gets dropped somewhat mysteriously and um, is not able to get back in. So, yeah. Anything else I want to say about that? Let me see if uh, the other Matthews might be. Maybe he's still working. Or busy. Or whatever. I don't see him. I, I told him that um, I had the room open. This is actually a secret room. Anyway, um, anything else I want to say about that? Um, yeah, but you don't have the burden of trying to prove these things, and you're actually unable to prove them. And Satan knows all this, so he likes to give Christians false burdens. They don't come from God, but you don't have um, the burden of trying to prove these things at all. It's unfortunate that a lot of Christians think that they do, and they think that they can 
bear fruit by arguing with atheists, um, that is not biblical. It, it is actually unbiblical, okay? Setting aside argumentation alone, which I've talked about previously, I don't want to digress into all that, where that is um, biblical, there's some room to work with there, okay? But um, it um, mainly has to do with being led by God. I remember one time I went out um, with a guy that used to pray almost like an ongoing basis. This guy was amazing. I've talked about him on the show. He's a prophet. And I went out one night uh, to evangelize with him on the streets. And everything was like divinely like ordained. It was like extremely efficient. And everyone that we met was all like, you would think, you know, all this antagonism, stuff like that. It was the exact opposite. God was clearly leading people to us that were actually open to the gospel. It was actually incredible. I was like, whoa, this is amazing. (laughs) I remember I was talking to a prostitute, you know, and she stood there and listened to us for quite a while. You know, she was open to it. And um, in fact, a lot of prostitutes are going to um, at least they used to be. Now, hearts are more hardened than they used to be, and people are more hardened than they used to be. But people are hurting out there more than they ever have. It's getting really bad. And um, that can go, you know, different directions. People can become bitter towards God. They can become apathetic. They can shut that side of themselves down, you know, the spiritual side. Um, But God can also use that you know, to cause people to seek because they're, what they're looking for is some kind of hope. But as I said before, that's what man actually basically lives on from day to day in a qualified sense. Um, so let me see, is there anything else? Um, I guess that's it. We've been on here for a while. All right, um, I guess we'll shut it down. I didn't intend to speak on the podcast. So. All right, uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and take care now. And catch you later, bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.